new on CuriosityStream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. All right, here we go. <laughs> please subscribe to the channel please hey guys youtube's got an algorithm and it really really help us out a lot if you could like comment and subscribe this is how we can get more information out to more people and uh share the message of toronto real estate In thanks that order like comment subscribe and hit the damn bell So I could so, interrupt it right now and check, or we could go yeah. for broke and see what happens. Go for broke. I think you and I are, are risk takers. You want to go for broke? Because one of us yeah, could be wanna, whispering right you, now. You want to invest in Bitcoin and, and I'll put a loan on your car? I'm, I, would, I would love to, to buy some Dogecoin. But you could put a loan on my car because I just sold it yesterday. It's gone. Yeah. She gone, baby. Finally. Yeah. That thing was just sitting there. It was pretty portal, sad. Portal money against everything you own to be able to get into dogecoin that's a good idea well i mean i think you could get into dogecoin with like a quarter <laughs> but you got to go big you can't just buy one you got to buy like uh you know ten thousand come on where's the harm in spending a thousand bucks right now of serb money on dogecoin yeah. everybody's so doing I remember, it i remember the stories from the great depression where they would say like i'm getting my shoes shined and the guy shining my shoes is giving me a new stock tip and that was the sign that everyone said was when the market started to turn sure. is when everybody just all of a sudden had this great advice. So one, all the YouTube ads, ads right now are like 21 year old guys telling me how great of a secret that they've got sure. to make money in the stock. Market. I just made $18 million <laughs> last month. <laughs> and then the other guy. So again, no, 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 like judgment here or whatever, but I'm going to the condo to install a lockbox, and the security guard is like, Oh, have you heard about such and such? And I'm like, what the heck is that? He goes, Oh, it's an altcoin, and it's like, to the and I'm moon, like, baby. To I'm the like, moon. I've never heard of that. I'm like, Are you in? Did you get in? He's like, He's like, No, not yet, but I'm trying. I'm trying, and I'm just like, Oh man, this world, we're in trouble. It's uh, it's changing. We're, it's changing. We're in trouble, right? Yeah. It's if they're changing. listening, I th maybe I've said that before in the show. I don't We've know. We've said it many times. Where maniacs like us have people yeah. listening every single week yeah tk so just, we could yeah. sell out right now with our current fan base we could sell out a really small coffee shop in seconds <laughs> but it has to be takeout only right there can't be any like seats or anything inside what if we stood in front of a tree and we drew circles all around the tree and we gave away the location by GPS to 10 people. Do you think that they would all come? I wouldn't even show up. No, I'd be afraid. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'd pick the tree from like Google Maps or something like that. I'd so be I afraid to up. meet me in person. <laughs>
All right, Daryl, let's get back on track. This is the Toronto Real Estate Show. What is it going is. on, and look, we Daryl, have... in the Toronto real estate market right we now? We have full autonomy together again this week. Unfortunately like and fortunately. Oh, Great we show got... last week, though. Nice nice guy. The, um, the Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. Really I... talented. Can I tell you? That was, like, for me, that was oh. very fun. And he gave me the model to play around with. It's been uh, it's been quite a joy. Quite a joy. He's a nice guy. I talked to him after a couple of times. Really cool stuff going on there. Okay, so what is there? Okay, a lot of – you want to talk about this? Toronto real estate experts call for an end to blind bidding and deception. This has come up a few times this week. Does that interest you at all, Mr. TK? I think it should. We've already talked about this, right? So, yeah. I'm I, all for I, it. I think it's a big problem. Like, it's, it's a big not problem. It's going to change. It's just not going to change. So, this article is you know, talking about people that, in particular, are kind of new to having their real estate license and don't know what they're doing and are giving horrible guidance and bidding up prices by hundreds of thousands, not like tens of thousands. Well, let's, let's talk about another pet peeve of mine. How about that? Yes. All right. So multiple offer process, right? Last night, I got a text at 1130 at night. I was, I was like f asleep for hours at that point. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on early, like I go to bed early and, and, and wake up at a reasonable time, almost like seven days a week, right? So I have no social life uh, like most people right now. So every single offer presentation that I have done for me, and I'm, and I'm, I'm talking, I don't know, 30 or something like that that I've done in the, in the last few months on behalf of a I buyer had, you mean uh no from uh my sellers I have had uh everything oh. wrapped up by like 7 30 at night Wait, you know? presenting all of the offers in a in a multiple offer scenario three weeks ago 32 offers 7 30 at night I'm done and we have an answer in the sold side zone like 7 30 when did all the offers come in well I have different timelines and stuff like that but you know they're coming in during the day and afternoon and all that kind of stuff and but i'm like i'm a family guy and i'm assuming that everybody else has a life and i'm assuming that they don't want to be up until midnight that's a horrible time to be up if i have to if i have to because there's a situation like yeah it's always best to work on the deal the night before and not let people sleep on it i get it but it's really easy to coordinate when you have a whole week of showings and you people know that there's going to be an offer date all you got to do is coordinate it in a way so that you've got offers being taken care of by a certain time and uh, I just feel like agents are inexperienced and so that they're not making sure that everything is, is organized. And when it takes you, when you tell someone to register an offer at five and then present at seven and it takes that until 1130 at night and there was only two offers, something tells me you're just not quite as organized as you should be. Right. And I just, I've seen that over and over again. Another one was five offers. And the guy texted me at like midnight again, I'm fast asleep at this point. You know, like I, uh, I, I make my offers only good to a certain time because at the end of the day, um, I, I don't want them to have more time to put the offer out there to people and shop it around. So we have, you know, an earlier time, eight, nine, 10 o'clock, something like that. And these agents are getting back forever. And I'm just wondering to myself, like what's going on in their head. There is a wide, wide, wide gap between real estate agents and decent real estate agents. And, pe and people and, with and a real then, estate license. Right. And then there's an even bigger gap between a decent real estate agent and a good real estate agent. And then 
There is oh. an insurmountable gap that fits TK and few others well, that are others. wonderful, amazing. No, there's not that many. Well, just because there's 60,000 agents, you're going to run into a lot of the ones that aren't. But there's 20. I know I've, I've dealt with a ton, a ton of people who are great at what they do. So, so tell me, so how, what's the value of these um, houses that you're talking about? Just these last few examples. A million, um, 750. Like when I'm representing the buyer, right? So I'm waiting till like... Late at night. Well, whatever. But um, like, what's the value of ranges. just these few? A million bucks? A million yeah, two? Yeah, so seven fifty to a million bucks. Yeah. Okay. So, everybody's argument with this open bidding process is that we can't release other people's information because that would be bad, right? It'd be bad to know what the other person is bidding and like who they are and what their bid is because that is like um, an invasion of privacy, right? But somehow. I can go on eBay. I could probably bid a million bucks on something and it, a whole bunch of stuff, right? No problem, right? No problem at all. Or I could go buy an NFT of Beeple's art for $69.3 million online, right? Mm -hmm. Or I could go to an auction house, I guess, pre-COVID, and I could buy, you know, some crazy italian artists art for 3.8 million dollars by raising a paddle why, why can't i buy a house for a million two in a open bidding process in toronto so uh, you reminded me of another story this week so i had a property that i sold at uh, in north york and it was multiple offers on wednesday and um that when the agent called me and it's a very one um demographic type of neighborhood and one of the agents called me and said, is the other buyer I'm competing with from my demographic or this other demographic, right? Okay. Because that was an important question to him. To who know asked who this? He was competing against the, oh. the buyer's agent. He's like, you know, oh. who's the buyer? So who's paying I, for I, this? And I think what was computing in his head was if it's a, a similar demographic to mine, they may be willing to pay more sure. than this other demographic who could pay less. And that's like an advantage to know that, right? Or not know that, or whether that's even real or not, who knows? But that's the whole premise. Behind that is what's relevant. The blind bidding, um, a secret and every, and everybody's, no, you can't know because then they're going to know and then they're going to find out. And, and we, the only thing we should disclose is which brokerage they're from and um, if that, and, and if they're from the same brokerage of the listing brokerage, right? That's it. Yeah, it, it, but then you have brokerages. So but just that's so, so you know, stupid. You have, you have brokerages in Toronto that are all strictly one demographic. It's like 400 agents all from one culture, right? Like there's multiple ones like that. So then it's like if you say it, if it's if you're like Remax one two three Realty, everyone's gonna be like, oh, well, that's the Irish. Oh, great. Yeah, Irish no, I'll never get this house. On this one. Yeah, they're all drug <laughs> fucking Irish brokers. Hey, 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 <laughs> settle down. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> All of them are drunk. So, I, 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 you know I, what? I don't know. I should have been, I should have evened that out a bit. All of the brokers are drunk right now. They are. They're all drunk on wealth and power in like this crazy <laughs> market. Seriously, oh think about it. What, what did the average price go up in the last two years? 15%. Oh, two years. Yeah. I don't know. 20 plus percent. Okay. So, so like, yeah. you know, the, the realtor's commission must have gone up similarly. They didn't do anything different. Yeah, I would I would say it would have been it would average probably just under that, right? So Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the market went up more than 20%. But anyways, I mean, the bidding process, not being blind, will definitely 100% lower the price escalation issue. Because prices going up are not an issue. It's the rapid increase and pace that they are going up currently that is what's scaring everybody. We want them to go up regularly at a reasonable rate, right? Yep. Got to beat inflation. The hedge against inflation, real estate. Ideally, ideally, yeah. right? I, I mean, I think ideally th it, ju it doesn't go down and it just steadily goes up, right? Yeah. Instead of me keeping my money underneath the mattress, I should put it into real estate. So, so it seems to me from a lot of these articles that we're almost, we've been, like we were, are we, are we socialist? Are we, what are we right now? Like what kind of a country is Canada right now? Because we're, now we're getting, well, we're getting free money. The, the, the naysayers are out there screaming socialism right now. From no, the but we're all right? begging like, oh my God, the market's so hot. You got to do something. Oh my God, there's a virus. The market's going to die. You got to do something. Yeah. Uh, you you got to do something. You got to yeah. do everything. Real reality is that we're capitalists. Reality, it's those who choose to be You're on top are the ones who are the ones are the ones who end up being there. Those who choose to have other, um, you know, people and assets working for them are the ones who end up succeeding and building wealth. That's just the reality. So how do you now, when you are 23, yeah. how do you, years old. yeah, how do you, how do you build that wealth? I mean, I'm pretty sure yeah. it's not the same as when I was a first time home buyer, like the spread between wages and the value of housing. I mean, but also hold on a sec. So I was reading an article. I think I have it here. This is a good segue if I can actually pull it off. Uh, here, nearly half of all first-time homebuyers eyeing the suburbs. And and the reason I'm bringing this up, and, and, and it ties into when I was first buying a house, is that, like, I mean, even my parents bought in the suburbs. I bought in the They're suburbs. I, I yeah. didn't even think about going to 416 when I was buying a house. I mean, why is this any... Why is this different? I would change that stat, though. Like, I would change... Um, I'd want to know this number. What's the percentage of single first-time home buyers going to the suburbs? Because I bet you it's a lot lower. Single first-time, right? And there's These probably a lot more of them. Right? Well, and then this also: baby boomers are bailing out Toronto's condo market with huge gifts for their kids. But again, like, is that new? Are these new trends worth news? TK, are people going to the suburbs a new idea? I don't think that it's necessarily like. First of all, everyone's on the real estate train, right? Now. Everyone's like invest in real estate. I was talking to my dad, who's, you know, real estate broker extraordinaire. And he's like dealing with people who are buying houses cash for their kids and, and giving them the mortgage. So While saying, selling their house as well and buying something no, else cash? No, to do it. Just boom. But they're, but they're saying my kids are in trouble and they're not going to be able to get a house. So, And, and the mortgage that they're going to get is not going to, they're not going to qualify. So I'm going to just buy the house cash and then they'll owe me money, right? And register a mortgage officially or not. I'll do it now before it's worth 25% more next year. 
Yeah. So there's a lot of people who are just thinking to themselves, Hey, real estate's going up. I'm super confident. If you got the money, you're going to do it. If you don't have the money, then yeah, maybe you have to sell. Maybe you have to refinance, whatever you're going to do. You love your children and you want to make sure that they've got the opportunities that you've had. And there's so many people that I deal with who are just like a guy I'm dealing with a guy I met last week, right? Super nice guy, old guy on this amazing lot, ravine, double lots, you know, you can build about two, 2.5 to $3 million homes on the lot afterwards. It's, it's amazing. Right. And just hearing him talk about like where he is with his life and stuff like that. Like he's really not money hungry. He's really not greedy. He's really not thinking about like how he can cash in on this real estate market. He just wants to live like a happy life. Like he's perfectly content with what, with what he's in. He's not in a fancy house right now. It's just a great lot. He's planning on moving somewhere else. That doesn't seem that glamorous. It's just simply about him enjoying his life. And I think that mentality when you get older is a lot more common than the younger folk, right? Where we're all like, no, we got to go and we got to have the fancy stuff and we got to have flashy this. And I know new, a lot of new Canadians are the same way because they come here and they come from different backgrounds. So then they feel like they've got to have this, you know, elevated status. But the people who have been born and raised here who are now in their 60s or 70s are really simple. Like a lot of them, they're just kind of like relaxed. And I think a lot of people are getting simpler and starting to really question kind of some ideas from, from, from yesterday, like me, for example. I mean, God, to, to sell my, my second car and to only have one car in the family, it's like, it's so counter everything that I kind of, you know, feel and grew up and like no you know you're supposed to have mm -hmm. a car per person per adult right but it's like 15 years old you got to get a car this yeah. thing's been sitting in the garage for like eight months i think i might have put on like 800 kilometers during the pandemic like why why have it it doesn't make yep. any sense right but it's like, I think the younger generation also, like my daughter, she would be like more than happy living in like a little van or one of these tiny houses. She just wants some mm. freedom, a little piece of something, you know, not, 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 I, I think they're getting realistic, the generation that like, I'm not getting a two story house somewhere right away. Like, I mean, when mm -hmm. I got married, I bought a two story house somewhere <laughs> in a nice area, right? <laughs> right like, away. Right away. <laughs> Yeah. And it didn't like destroy me. In hindsight, yeah. I should have bought something bigger back then. It was really stupid and you know, I was scared. I was like twenty three or something. With a basement apartment. Right? But like yeah. you could do it now. Okay, so okay, so we've got boomers buying who who's they're buying their kids? Who no they're not. Yeah, let's finish up on this talk topic. So what I'm saying is that people are willing to sacrifice what they've got, whether it be money in the bank or investments to provide. For the sure. Children. I mean, they didn't do don't have the money and you have to it. sell. You're more than willing to sell your home for your kids to all get their inheritance early and you will go and rent some or, people, in some your people mind, cool you're going to be happy and you're going to feel good. And you don't, you know, there's, there's, there's a much different mentality. Yeah. And, and you know what? Generation. It almost should be like that right now. I mean, they really look, I mean, they were just born at a time where their 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 house that they bought went friggin' bananas while they owned it. Now yeah. the next generation is like, I mean, they'll probably still go bananas. But how the hell are you gonna own something right now? Or are you gonna own a yeah. little condo? Like yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah. So so and the stability is more important than the wealth aspect of it. So my it's about their kids getting a home that they can live in and not have to move for forty years like they did. Yeah, or not live, you know, with us for that much longer. Like my daughter's <laughs> eighteen, too. right? I, I, somebody soon is gonna have to start thinking about 
you know, either me or her where she's going to live at some point next, right? And I don't need her to leave. I mean, she can live here for, for a certain amount of time, not forever, but like a reasonable amount of time, right? And yeah. so, so, so like imagine, okay, right now, if I were to buy something for my daughter, I mean, something decent, it's at least half a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. At least. And that's not even yeah. so decent, but she would yeah. be more than happy with it right now. Small condo. But yeah. what about when your kids, when you have to buy something for them? Like I've already found a solution. You've got to do it now. Yep. I found a solution. I was looking at it last night. Good. Yeah. Yeah, you, you should do it. it. Yeah, w- yeah, please tell me. What is the solution for Sheds. you? Sheds. Sheds. Yeah. You build them a shed in the backyard with a g- as a garden suite. And you just stack little bunk beds on top of each other. You know what I mean? I would. Stick I would. Them both back there. You know what? Right now, yeah. there's a serious world shortage in containers. If you yep. did it in a container, those things would go up in value like crazy right now. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. But I am. I am looking at like, <laughs> you know, do I need to move? Right. I'm. I'm like, do I really need to move? Like, I live in a house that's like good square footage, tons of space. We're really, we're really comfortable. You know, everything's fixed up. I don't have to do anything. And uh, so I'm like, well, how would I get more space as my son gets older? I'm like, okay, well, he's into YouTubing and podcasting. I'm into podcasting. We're, you know, online schooling and all this different things. And oh boy, time to move. It's time to so move. I, so I thought to myself, okay, what do I do? I build a um, office pod in the backyard. I make a studio in the backyard. So mm-hmm. if I need to work and I need quiet space, even though my office is a five minute drive from my house. It's not like I want to go there all the time. <laughs> so I have my own office pod. He's got his own uh, YouTube pod for his channel and, and his dreams. And if he's got to do schooling and stuff like that. And we'd have our own little man shed, man cave, she shed. I saw this cool thing. I don't know how I got it. It was in my inbox somehow. It's called Rooms. I should pull it up okay. on the screen. But that seems like I'll screw something up There's if I, I do that. I looked at it last night. I went, I went, uh, I dived into the, uh, you know, the man shed um, business right now, prefab and all that stuff. And there's like a ton of companies doing it. A ton it. of companies. But this one thing, this thing, rooms, they build like these little, they're literally like they're pre-built rooms for doing work or a podcast or whatever. It's got like a yeah. desk and shelves and like, it's almost like sitting in a diner, like two benches with a table in the middle, like different yeah. configurations for like 15 to 20 grand. You can just plop it anywhere. And they're soundproof. Yeah, pretty yeah, cool. These ones are all smart wire. Like they've really trust Unreal, me. Unreal, right? With that space, yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, eight eight by ten. No no building permit. Drop it anywhere you want. Can't you just plop like, one on top of your house? I'm like maybe I should probably get one that needs a building permit because I should start like building a whole entire network of right. But chances are, I would just do a a shed size one. I don't really need more than that. Just Seems... put a desk in there, insulated. Then I was looking at how to build it myself. I'm like, mm, that, you know what? That seems like time poorly spent. Yeah. In a like really hot right. real estate market, you know, being a realtor yeah. and all. But I'll well, I market, mean, you could build the shed market. and just kind of draw out those bidding wars till like 11:30 midnight, and you'd gain all yeah, kinds of time to build a shed. I'll collect the offers at seven, and then I'll give everyone an answer five hours later when I finally do something about Once it. Once you finish the shed. Like, I'm screwing in some two by fours here. Can't also, you? Also, the price of lumber is just way too much right now. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. I, would, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be doing it right now. I would be waiting for those prices to come down, which it, they have to come down, by the way. Price of lumber is not going to stay where it is. Not so, a so what is behind the lumber price increase? 
what is I don't know. it? I haven't really studied it yet. I think it's just a. Um, well, what else the brings up? Are, what brings up prices? The the fact that the lumber. Well, obviously there's more costs because these lumber factories have to have less people, you know, near each other and stuff like that to be able to to build. And uh, once the prices start to rise, they realize that people are still buying it, so they keep prices up. So until prices in real estate change where there's less construction going on because people are less confident in real estate, the lumber prices will stay high. That's the truth. Because as long, whether or not the cost for the suppliers go down or not, as long as they can continue to get that money, they will. Absolutely. Once, once the real estate market changes and it always does, it's it's cyclical. um, They will then say, all right, well, we better start undercutting each other and making sure that we sell more lumber because where are we going to put all this wood? That's right. But yeah, but right now, start building those sheds now because right now supply is constrained for whatever yeah. reason. Maybe whatever reason. well, real or not. I think selling most of it to the United States may be a factor, okay. or to China. I'm pretty sure we sell a lot to China and to other countries. I know they have a lot we of their own. Have. Well, yeah. sure, but I mean, if you would stop doing that. Y- and and kind of spread it out here in Canada, then the prices could come down. I'm yeah, sure there's still profits to be made, but who's going to do that? Yeah, who's going to do that? I think you I'm not going to do that if I'm the lumber gotta, guy. You got to trade between other countries. There's other things that we get because we're we need things that we don't have Oops. here that we're getting in exchange, importing from other countries. So if we can't just be like, hey, look, we need some wood and we need oil, so we're just going to spread it out around our people first. But all those other things that you guys need, keep sending them to us, right? So you have to have trade between countries, and, and you can't just uh, hoard all your uh, all your resources. What's going on? What I think are, you can. Next? I think you can. Well, okay, so there's a couple oh. of things here. I thought this was kind of interesting since we're kind of talking about boomers and aging. Yeah. Did that work? Yeah. Boomers opting to age in place with combination suites. Now, I don't know if you've seen this at all, but this is this is a great concept. And I really think that there's a good business model behind this thing. If anybody wants to message me about Explain that it. later yeah, and be, be a partner, uh, I'm, all, I'm all for it. So, okay, boomers opting to age in place. So basically what they're doing, they're buying like new condos and they're buying two or three side by side by side in these new developments. Uh, planning to rent it out now, but move into it later and, you know, combine two of the suites, let's say, into a nice big suite and putting a caregiver or a team of caregivers in the suite next door and kind of creating your own retirement home. Well, they've been like, that's been happening for a long time, combining suites and all that kind of stuff. But I think all of that kind of coming together, like the aging and having, you know, staff next door, 24 7 living in a unit beside you but even more importantly paying today's prices for what you need 10 15 years down the road in an area that you would want to live in while bringing in money the entire time and if i mean depending on how much money you put down it could cash flow it could lose money every month it could you know gain appreciation by then but it sounds to me like a pretty sound play if you can afford to do it if, if they sell their home, they'll be able to pay for those condos, no mortgage. But what a great business to buy, you know, like little blocks of three or six in new buildings in, the, you know, in the effort to find somebody that is willing and able to do that once the building mm-hmm. is built. 
right? And lease them that space and maybe have it like have equipment in it for, for that kind of scenario and maybe even, you know, have the staff in place to live in the space. That's a whole business right there. Just turn entire floors into retirement homes or condos. Can you do that? Well, I think we're going to have to do that. I don't, I don't think that that's the current model. I like, can't keep going. This is horrendous. Yeah. So, and unless everybody's going to just decide to, you know, live in their, their big homes and have the staff move in with them, um, which is again, unlikely because there's all that equity trapped in that home, you know? So by you the time you're that. ready to go, let's say you're 70, you're not ready to go until you're 80. Well, at 80, that $2 million home is probably going to be worth close to $3 million. So now you got $3 million of your money sitting in your home and you need to figure out how to make it work for you. And um, if you got stairs and landscaping and all that kind of stuff, you're probably going to say like, what am I doing? Right? Like, why don't I just simplify this? Yeah. Going to buy a bungalow around the corner is probably going to be 2.3 million. So it's not going to be any cheaper. Well, you only eliminate more. a couple of boxes there. Like, right. What are you right. eliminating the stairs and more space, but you still got the yard and all the other shit yeah. to deal with. Right. Yeah. So you got to go to a condo, like the condo. I'm, I'm super bullish on the condo market. Like it's, it's so crazy how I'm even saying that because years ago I'd always say, but there are boxes in the sky and they're this and that, and I can't believe it, but they're the only affordable option for young people. And they're going to be the only option that uh, older people are going to have to be able to live in and still stay in the areas that they're familiar with. Not everybody wants to leave the city that they grew up in. Well, and take money off the table, right? And sell yeah. their, well, their they, house. They can't take money off the table unless they go to a condo. There is no cheaper option. There's not a, there's not a detached bungalow in your neighborhood that's going to free up that much equity. By the time you pay real estate fees, land transfer tax, everything, you're almost a wash. Yeah. My neighbors, uh, you know, have talked to me about this before. And I said, where are you going to go? I go, if you guys buy a, a smaller house in this neighborhood, you will be in the exact same financial situation you're in right now, but you'll just be in a smaller house because yeah. it's only 200 grand less. See, right? I'm, I think I'm a little far away to be worrying about my retirement, but if I was closer to that point, I'd like definitely be thinking about investing in my future home now. Right. I mean, it won't be built for five to seven years, depending on where it is. So the pre-construction model. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm, a, I'm not pre-construction, you know, based. I think that it's, you know, a market that I, uh, I wouldn't be involved with right now. But I think for a baby boomer, it would make sense. I think that um, there's, a, there's opportunities there for you to get in and not have something built for four or five years. Right. And you don't I have think to so while you're anything more than a line of credit on your house or, or some savings. Right. While, while your yeah. house is still appreciating for that time and giving you yeah. that little bump before before actually retiring. Yep. You're twisting my arm today, Daryl. Tell you're, me, you're, tell you're me. Getting me off, you're getting me off my, my, uh, my opinions, you know? Um, your opinions I'm, are good. I'm, I like them. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm usually like anti-pre-construction and all that kind of stuff. So, but today, today you've built a wonderful argument as to why there is a huge market for pre-construction. And, and, and it's, baby boomers. it's not only the baby boomers. Yeah. Here, here's the reality. Okay, so. Or for their kids. Or for their kids. Or for. Right now. Kids 17 get a pre-construction, so they got a condo ready for them. But what, like where are the, if you want to buy apartments, like there's not that many available for sale, right? So if you want to invest, and I'm not talking about the guy who wants to buy one condo in a building and become an investor, like real real estate investors, right? Like, where's all that money going? There's not there's not buildings with 100 units available anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Or 250 units. Like, these old buildings are generational. Some of them come on the market from time to time, but, like, most of them don't. 
-hmm. and now a lot of them are recognizing that oh my god i've got this gigantic piece of land this thing's been paid for for two generations already and you know everybody else around us is starting to put new buildings on their properties in in the empty space i could create another three four hundred units and not pay for land so so like where is all this real estate investor money going it has to go into new condos right they have to be landlords through new condos it's the only way to do it right now right mm -hmm. i think i mean I, am i missing something and we need all this no, stuff so no, like right. we talked about this the, the, the rental so, supply. so 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 investors locals and immigrants who are going to start flooding into the place and students right like how much more argument do we need for pre-construction right now as being like super important on top of loosening restrictions. Did you see? Did you, did, did you tell me, tell me, did you and I, spit it out there? I'll spit it out. And I can't even <laughs> believe that. Like, I don't see very many people talking about this, but like, this is crazy. So in the middle of a housing crisis, oh, TK, do they know what they're doing at all? Okay. Where is this thing? Toronto bans tall buildings downtown. Yes. Toronto bans tall buildings in downtown neighborhood and neighborhood. people oh. just know TK. I, I saw this one. Yeah. Not neighborhood. Look at this. It's the whole West Downlands. It's the distillery yeah. district. It's all of Corktown and East. What do they call this? Oops. Um, uh -oh. Bear with me. East downtown or something, Old Town, which is Old look at this, town. and Queen Street. All of this, they just changed all of the height uh, 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 guidelines or all kinds yeah. of like you can't. Some of these areas you can't. This is downtown. This is downtown core Toronto. Like I know, where's the Don Valley? It's over here somewhere. Yeah. Some of these places you can only do 10 stories now, according to the new planning that somehow just got passed through in a, in a, in a crisis, in a housing yeah, so just crisis. Clarify what tall buildings is for people who don't know. Tall buildings technically is anything over 11 stories, but I think now in planning it's more over 15 stories. But for argument's so sake, technically. You can still be getting mid rise buildings that are in that range to be able to. In downtown Toronto, you a, a mid rise? This is asinine. It should have gone the other way. It mm -hmm. should have gone the exact opposite other way. Oh my God. This underutilized area of the downtown core of Toronto, which in the official plan is mixed use and re gentrification. Like it's like this big section there that they've like earmarked for more density. All of a sudden it just turned into like height restrictions. Some places you can do 30 stories, but like even still, this is downtown mm -hmm. east. This is the next frontier downtown. This is where yeah. the, the 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 goods are. Right. Everybody's been building on the west side and the entertainment district. And right now, yep. all of a sudden they've started coming east and then they boom height restrictions. They have tall buildings there already. Tons of them and lots yeah, being built so. and already in for proposal. But this is going to be like. Just more red tape because the people that bought land in that area that haven't put in their application like they're going to fight this like crazy. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Just more red tape, more just more, more waste of, uh, negotiation resources. and red tape and baloney. You should see, like for the property that I'm working on, I have to get an archaeology report. There's no archaeology here. <laughs> and then the guy sends. I think me, there's dinosaurs, uh, you know, on Kingston Road. He sends me this thing, like, "Do you want me to represent your, you with the First Nations because they have interest in the development of this property?" And I'm yeah. like. What? First Nations? I need a representative with the First Nations? Are you yep. kidding me? Like, how how much red tape? I had to pay for a used car package to sell my car. Like, there's so much red tape that's unnecessary. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Believable. You can't believe it. I'm it's not something that can be believed. I'm in awe. And then in the middle of a pandemic that's in wave number three, variant number 18, coming from Venezuela. Oh, is it now? Where, where we realize, oh, right. We, I, I forgot. We have a shortage here of housing. Like, we're in crisis mode. And, oh, my God, we got to do something. I know what we'll do. Let's limit the density in the place that should be the most dense. <laughs> that sounds good. That's a good idea. What are you looking for? Um, are you uninterested in this topic? Are you trying to shift topics here on me? What do you want to no, talk I about, to TK? Look at something quickly. Don't move that <laughs> mic further away, buddy. Get it closer. Oh You're yeah, whispering. Sorry. What do you want to talk about, I TK? How am I boring you here? Sorry. I, wa I wanted to look at something Please. else. Yes. What would you like to look at, sir? <laughs> I can't get it. You know it's I mean? not working. My system's not working. Do you want to share your uh, screen? Is that what you're trying to do? I can't. No, I can't. Oh, it's gone. I can let you. Do you, <laughs> you want read me like a book? Eh? Well, I can see your brain is like spinning and your <laughs> your screen is flashing like crazy. Okay, here you pick the next topic, TK. I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. Let's go on. Let's go on to the. Uh, I. You know what? I think that that's uh, you know shameful, but I also don't know. If that's even going to be something that ends up going uh, going through or not, too. I like. I want to talk it about inflation. I want to talk about what's going on Let's do right that. now. Let's do that. Oh, what about this? Great announcements, Bank of Canada. What? Yeah, you want to talk about that? Okay, fine. Let's talk about that. But we should definitely touch on Canadian banks begin circumventing mortgage stress tests for high-income clients. That is interesting, I mm -hmm. think. But I could be wrong. But, yeah, let's talk about rates. What happened with rates? Nothing. Did anything happen with Well, rates? no, something huge happened with rates. Tell me. What happened with Massive. Rates? Massive. So when OSFI had announced that they were going to be increasing the stress test on May by May 7th and that it would come into effect uh, June 1st, they said that we were going to be um, they said that they were going to be um, consulting with the people that they need to consult with, right? So when Bank of Canada does their most recent rate announcement and they basically came out and said they support the decision for the stress test to be increased, it's as, as good as done. So that means that the stress test will be increased from uh, 4.79 to 5.25 starting June 1st, taking 5% of people's borrowing power off the table. Boom. Let's go buy some houses. Mortgages only. Let's go buy some houses. Now. Mortgages only. Now, the other part, which was going on in the background, is that for the last few months, everyone's like trying to figure out like, how to cool the housing market. How do we get people to stop speculating? How do we make sure that people don't spend more money than they need to? So they're talking about um, capital gains increases and principal residence tax exemptions being uh, removed and, and all these different measures that would cool the market. 
So of course, none of those happened at the budget last Monday, which the was budget. Uh, expected. Boo budget. We, I guess we should or talk good. about what happened at the budget. We'll get budget. to that after. Yeah, budget. Forgot about the budget. How did I forget so about the budget? So what? What the um, bank people? You know, the big bank people, right? The Bay Street guys were saying is Bank of Canada should have really just come out and say instead of rates staying super low until 2023, we may be making them a little bit, uh, adjusting them higher a little bit earlier. So it's going to take away the confidence that people have because everyone's boring right now saying, hey, Bank of Canada is not going to raise the rates for a couple of years. I can pay off some of this mortgage at 2% for the next five years. And by the time the rates do go up, I'll be in a much better situation, which has less risk. So Bank of Canada came out and said, because of the economic recovery, because of what we're seeing, they're still kind of like, uh, you know, hesitant to really commit to anything, but they've indicated that closer to the end of 2022 now is when they would be considering raising interest rates. So they've kind of stepped it back a little bit from their projections of nothing until 2023. Oh, no, we, we got to keep it at least till the end of 2022, 2023. Then we'll talk about rate increases. Now they've stepped it back a little bit, which again, you know, they can always make another announcement that says, guys, sorry, we need to start cooling the housing market or we need to start fighting inflation, which was at 2.2% year over year. 2.2%. So let's, let's talk about that. So the let's, target. let's just say, I'm going to do some math here quickly. All right. Let's take $250, which I think is a more than reasonable amount of money to spend at the grocery store. Okay. If you take a $250 budget and you add 2% to it, you are adding... Yep. $5. Yes. $5. So what you were used to paying 250 for is now PK? $255. $255. Yes. Okay. I haven't noticed a $5 increase in my grocery bills. I have noticed a ridiculous I don't even know how high because every time my wife comes back from the store laughing about how much money she just spent and how empty the goddamn fridge is, I get a little nervous about this inflation number that they're throwing around because everything that I buy is more expensive now. Everything. Even the ink in my so printer is more expensive now. So what the... F Do you think that there's a conspiracy going on with the government that they are... Um, intentionally keeping the inflation rate lower than it actually is to to maintain the interest rates at a lower rate i don't think that there's a conspiracy some sort no. of agenda that the government has no i think that um because i hear the no i think that, that there is on a, youtube sometimes talk about this no, but there i don't think it's a conspiracy there's a vested interest to continually have money out there that is earning interest and as the okay. interest rate goes down, there is a vested interest for some that the amount of money out there increases to offset the losses by the lower interest rate, right? Because there's somebody that's making all that money, right? Okay. Or there's a bunch of people making all that money. So, so if the vested interest is to continually have more money in the system, which is in everybody's best interest, that's just how the system works, they have to they have to come up with ways to continually pump money into the into the market. And so right now what we have is the only way that this thing works currently is if the the government, the the the, the country says, okay, 
we need more money, and the Bank of Canada says, okay, we'll give you more money. And that's basically exactly what's happening. Canada issues a debt bond, the Bank of Canada buys it, gives them the money, and yep. that's the way that it's working right now. So, yep. Which they are going to be buying less now. They're going to be buying less, and that's one of the yep. things. So wha what they're doing is they're throttling the economy, right, for whatever yep. reason. But Canada needs that interest rate, and the Bank of Canada needs that interest rate low so that Canada can actually pay its debt service when it comes due. So we have to be able to pay that interest or the whole thing falls apart, right? So the Bank of Canada 100%. needs it to be low so that it's manageable, and Canada needs to buy more money because that's all they're doing is buying money from the Bank of Canada. They need more money to keep the wheels moving. So in order for them to service the debt, everybody's – and borrow more money, that interest has to stay low. So what has to happen? The Bank of Canada has to ha use other tools, So what, just like what you're saying. Started off during the pandemic, they're, pay, they're buying $5 billion per week of government debt, right? Yes. Keeps the interest rates low because somebody's buying this debt. That's what has to happen. Otherwise, you know, you have to offer more interest to people to take on the debt. And nobody wants the debt other than the Bank of Canada right now, right? So it has to stay low. They have to keep pumping money in, which means asset prices have to go up. And, like, this just has to happen. So, no, it's not a conspiracy. It's actually just understanding the current system the way that it is. And it just has to keep perpetually growing. So it, it's in their best interest to look at certain numbers, which most people don't understand and most people don't give a shit about, right, to, to say that, okay, look, we're pointing to this and everything is fine. The system is okay. Everything is hunky-dory. We just we got to throttle back a little bit on this, and we're going to push a little harder on that. And it's just manipulation of economy. And that's why I started the show saying, are we socialists now? Because there is manipulation all over the place, and there is effects from this all over the place that are not normal capitalistic functions of a society, which is fine. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's like we always say. It's like, sorry, was that a signal to shut up and let you have a turn? No. No, no, no. Keep going. I want to hear the whole point. So go ahead. Well, why? So you can re refute it now. God damn it. <laughs> I'm getting tired here. <laughs> so what you're saying, I'm, I'm not saying it's not true, but what you're saying is that they are artificially reporting the inflation rate. No, I'm, I'm saying about. there's different inflation rates that they look at and there's different baskets that they choose to look at depending on what prices go where. But also, like we've said it before. We're focused on real estate because we're in real estate, but it's a tiny segment of the actual population trading real estate regular, right? So this, old, this whole market only affects certain people, but the reality of this whole thing is if this housing market doesn't keep going, there's not much else here, and it needs to. Like, if you look at the map of the world and you see, you know how big Ontario is? Like, I don't know how we have a housing crisis. This is pretty crazy. Like, there's so much land on this uh, province or continent. It's crazy. But, mm -hmm. I mean, here we are. This is the game, and this is how they want to play it, or we want to play it. Somebody voted at some point for somebody, right? But this and is the so system. It, it has to go up. What happens when it goes down? What happens when it goes question. down? Not only the people on the streets are getting killed, like, everybody is yep. taking a hit. Everybody. Yeah, everybody right? takes a hit. From top to bottom, everybody takes a hit. So who wants to take a hit when all you got to do is like throttle the economy whichever way it needs to go to keep it in this which believed which comfort zone? Which is what, we're, what they're doing. We know the direction we're going in. Rates are at an all-time low. We know that the rates are going to be going back up. 
We know that the government is not going to let inflation get out of control. We know that they've got a lot more cooling measures um, other than, you know, interest rates, but that's obviously a major tool that everyone focuses on, right? But they are. And, and right now with Bank of Canada buying those bonds, they will, they will pull right back, you know, the second that they start seeing inflation um, get out of control. And I, and I, and I, and I believe in, I, I guess I'm naive, I'm gullible, I'm, I'm whatever. But I believe in that the people who are at Bank of Canada are a lot smarter than the guys I'm hearing on YouTube, right? And that they are doing the best thing for the country to yeah, ensure that Yeah, but you want to believe that. You want to believe that because that would I make do. sense. But look at what yeah. happened with GameStop. And look at what's happening with Bitcoin. And look at what's happening with all kinds of things right now that have nothing to do with these bankers. The banking system is a mess. And, and they've got so much power and they've got so much... They're so ingrained in everything that, like, it's going to be crazy right now. Like, do you, do you know what's going on in the world with currency right now? Like, have you seen what's going on? It is insane. Yeah, Portug Portugal's getting out of hand, and there's lots of different issues No, going but China on is making their own digital currency, right? Of course. Uh, well, according to YouTube, China made Bitcoin. So well, some guy. <laughs> so maybe they've already guy. got their own digital currency. But all these digital but currencies, people are making a lot of money right now, and things are just ch things are just changing. Yeah. Like technology is changing things so quickly and so drastically right now that, like, I mean, who would have thought that you'd be talking about the entire taxi industry disappearing ten years ago, right? Like, who who would who ever would have thought that you'd rent? you know, your cottage to somebody for $1,200 a well, night I I, through an app because it's on the I, water. I agree with you that innovation is obviously, you know, at an all-time high and things are changing quickly. And yeah, there's a spot for di digital currency, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm fundamentals all the way. Like so but, the, so, the, so but one the issues that they're having right now. So let me, let me go on a little bit of a talk here, Joe. Thanks. So the issues that we have right now, so two of the two of the issues is like uh, Norway and Sweden, right? So they've got like three or four percent of cash trans, uh, three percent per three to four percent of their transactions are cash, which means that everybody's paying digitally, right? So that they're trying to avoid that because there's certain fundamentals that have to be put into place. Turkey has, uh, you know, outlawed the use of some digital currencies and stuff like that to to make sure that they protect their own uh, currency. Um, Portugal's, you know, facing mass inflation. So people, again, are trying to look at digital currencies. The government will regulate this. This is, this is why these systems have been in place for hundreds of years. This isn't the first time that bubbles have happened and, and markets have come through and innovation has started to, you know, creep in. There's been oil bubbles. There's been, you know, tech bubbles with, you know, all different types of stock bubbles. This is all part of the government's job. And like I said, there's people who are much smarter than the journalists and the YouTubers and all these people who come up with all these great ideas that make sense. I remember when they watched the, the nine, nine 11, when they, you know, the building and I watched the documentary to prove that that was fake. I remember when I've watched the JFK document, like I know that it's easy to influence society because everybody is wanting to believe that there's something more to what they're seeing. They want to believe that there's corruption. They want to believe that there's some sinister people pulling the strings, wanting, wanting them to do the things that they want to do. I get that. That's a natural human inclination to believe that something bigger is going on that is that is not being known to you. But I'm letting you know that there's a ton of people at work who, again, are trained and, and, and have the experience to be able to figure these type of things out. And I think Canada has one of the most stable financial institutions out there, to be honest, in the world. And what they're doing is not based off of 
maybe some influence from other countries because they're learning lessons and stuff like that. But it's based off of the fundamentals that they have over the last hundred plus years, ensuring that our economy can be can remain on track, learning the lessons we did from mass inflation from the 70s and 80s, learning the lessons that other countries have recently, Venezuela, you know, and, and that kind of stuff with their currency, and that we're not going to be going down a digital currency exchange anytime soon, and that governments will intervene because they have they have um, reasons to do so. And, and it's in order to protect us because the mass population can't be in control of those type of things because we'll screw it up. Example, GameStop and whatever other example you gave there, uh, Bitcoin, right? If you let the people decide, they screw it up. That's why we have governments. That's why we have people in place because we need to have order and people making those decisions who we've elected because they know more than us, you know? And again, call me naive, call me gullible, but I'm trusting in those systems in order to keep everything on track because it's proven, right? And it's easy to spin an idea as to why they're gonna lose control and why they're gonna, you know, not make it out and why they're gonna screw it all up, you know? And they, and they sometimes do, they make mistakes, but it's always corrected because they're able to be able to figure out what mistake they made. Because again, those are the people who are in power to do so. And inflation right now is starting to go up, but Honestly, it was compared to uh, March 2020 when deflation was like, I don't even remember what the number was, but everything dropped. Prices dropped because we were in panic. So yeah, 2.2% annual rise in inflation compared to March 2020 makes sense. I was paying like 60 cents a liter for gas at that point, right? I'm surprised it's not 10% inflation year over year, March 2021, right? So I, I, I don't see the inflation that everyone's talking about in everyday sectors. There's reasons behind stuff. I agree 100% that prices are going up, but just because There's, you're paying more at the grocery store, how many meals are you eating out? No, but week? so this is, okay, so this is, this is, this is interesting. So there's, there's okay. a couple of different things going on simultaneously. So we have deflationary things like automation and uh, AI and all this technology that brings pricing down, right? Wow. We have rampant inflation from adding currencies all around the world. I mean, you can't argue with the fact that if you add There's 40% more money of a currency in the last year than uh, any other year right. before. So, but what happens is because you, you buy goods from Asia, uh, India, uh, like other countries where things come here cheaper somehow because of labor okay. or whatever. That's nothing new in the last year. Nothing new. No, no, no. But that, that's yeah. been going on for a long time. Is like things have been getting cheaper that we would use not every day, but like regularly, like important items. But what, what's happening now is the things that we need, like food and housing, you know, like things that we need regularly, always necessities are going up like crazy right now. Right. But those other okay. things like the, the, the crap you buy on Amazon that you don't really need that you want, like all those kind of things, those are getting cheaper. Right. The table or the bed or the mattress, like those big ball, the cars, like these things are all actually getting cheaper. Right. And better and more efficient. Right computers like all these phones all these things so we've got like deflationary things going on and inflationary things going on simultaneously and that's what's kind of keeping the thing kind of where it, it needs to be so those numbers like cpi and blah 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 and all that it, it doesn't matter right like this is just the way that it works right now and i don't i actually when i was thinking about the show earlier i wanted to start off asking like what Tell me why this can't keep going on for 10 years. Like we need because all this housing. Nothing ever does. 
And so those big items that you just named, those are specific markets that happen to be massively inflated. Real estate is massively inflated right now. There's no, I'm talking about currency inflation. Is it out of control or is it maybe just a little bit higher than what we all want to see it? It's simultaneous. And we've talked about this before. And I think the key right now, why the whole world isn't like just disintegrating financially, like when Zimbabwe super inflated their currency, they did it by themselves. Right. They were on their own thing a few years ago. Nothing else was going on. They they super inflated their 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 way to death. This has happened many times where like the superpower has inflated their currency to death and they've disappeared off the face of the earth. Right. But what's happening now is everybody has inflated their currency simultaneously like everybody. So you for inflation to run away in 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 relation to all the other countries spending money on all the same. Because the U.S. dollar is the standard right now. That's everything is based off of U.S. dollars, and that's another thing. I watched the Robert Kiyosaki podcast too, and you know if you don't take it off the gold standard, if they hadn't taken it off the gold standard, then inflation would have been kept under control. And I and I understand that, and I get that. And China right now is buying all this gold because they want to be able to have a digital backed currency based off the gold standard. I get that. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that's what that that's what they're buying it for. I get all that. I'm just letting you know that as far as the everyday cost of what my Canadian dollar is going to be buying, the everyday cost of the goods that I'm purchasing, the housing that yes is inflated right now, but every market is cyclical. Like whether I'm 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 willing to admit that I think that the market's going to change really soon or not, I I don't know because I'm confused because no one has those answers. But I can tell you right now that every market's cyclical and the stock market's no different and that everything will, that goes up must come down and it always, always returns to the mean average on the long-term graphs. So right now we're in a spike, but you know that's definitely not something that's going to be sustainable. I don't believe that gas prices are going to go out of hand. And I believe that the oil market's going to you know keep in check to be able to, to ensure that. I don't believe that the food and the uh, lumber and all these other, uh, you know, manufacturing type of um, local um, supply chains are going to be affected for very much longer, and those prices will return. And then everyone will say, "Okay, good, we dodged a bullet." You know, it was because we did this, that, and the other. So, no, what happens in that, the event that the government does kind of release some re- restrictions and starts approving permits quicker? And now, okay, so now let's say lumber does catch up and building materials yep. and labor does catch up now and all of a sudden they allow more stuff to get built it, we, we end up in the same thing again we end up with, with shortages all over the place again we already have 200 so cranes w- we won't we have enough more. wood and labor to to build all that stuff i think i think what is actually going to happen is all these prices are just going to get absorbed into everyday life and we're going to keep moving on and we're going to get used to paying 50 bucks more at the grocery store every week and we're going to get used to paying you know, whatever, 40 cents more for gas. And we're going to get used to paying all, all the prices that, that we're at now. And builders are going to just build yeah. it in. And the end user, the price is going to, you know, climb the ladder. And that'll be it, I guess, in, in, until it's not. But, I mean. Well, it, w- it would be the first time in history that it ever stayed the same in a uh, developed country like Canada. Well, I, I'm guessing that it's. Every other time that that's happened. It had been a bubble. Have we it seen been in history um, economies thrive during pandemics where people can't even produce <laughs> like efficiently anymore? 
is is that a new thing? Because I'm pretty sure I things... don't know. I I mean I I haven't researched all the pandemics <laughs> that well, have ever been in existence. But I thought you were I an know, expert here. I, I know for sure that there the are plenty examples of bubbles, and that there's Poppy plenty bubbles. examples of markets that get inflated. There was there was one that I was that I read about where the cost of a tulip in Amsterdam. Tulips, yes, tulips. The tulip right? bubble had had reached you know like epic, cost of real estate epic proportions of tulips. in Amsterdam because of because people needed tulips so bad did that last forever or was everyone just like well i guess we're just gonna have to pay more for tulips from now on and it'll just go up from no like it's silly like it's you know that's a good Ku point wait had a stock market bubble in that's 1982 where they were allowed to write um post-dated checks to buy stocks so they went What's from wrong a with that? To a, I don't see they, anything wrong with that. They went from that. a $5 billion stock market to the third biggest stock market in the world that was $100 billion. So it's like, you know, like there's different things that happen, different factors that influence these markets. Right now, I don't think it's just the inflation rates that's rising. Let's sum this all up because our show's over now, Daryl. So let, let's sum it all up here. I don't think it's the rise of currency. I don't think it's the low interest rates. I don't think it's any of those things that's making people pay more money for real estate right now. During the pandemic, everybody's at home. They're all afraid. They want more space. They value their time with their family. They can't see their grandparents. Everyone has a reason to move right now. So they're out there buying real estate, which then creates price increases, which brings all the speculators in because there's a bunch of speculators right now borrowing from their principal residence to buy more real estate, taking out loans, getting off their horse, deciding to buy because they thought the market wasn't good. That's what happens. Market goes up. People start to buy. The market starts to go down. Everyone says, oh, it's not a good time to buy complete herd mentality. That's what's creating the increase in housing prices. The pandemic will get solved. I don't know how, but it will get solved. And the need for larger spaces and, you know, real estate that people are buying uh, right now will go down. It will because everybody, it's not really a good time to move because now the interest rates are higher a little bit. And now this is not a good time because I don't need to move because I'm happy with my three bedrooms and the kids are out most of the time. And, it's not really something that I need to do or go through all that stress because buying and selling is stressful. It's the great reshuffling shakedown. It's all the locals are reshuffling to make room for all the immigrants that are going to start pouring in. And if you think prices are coming down, I think you are incorrect. I don't know. But in 2018, we had 360,000 people come to Canada. And I remember prices going down in Toronto that year. All right, fine. Good. That was good. This has been a great show today, Daryl. I, I really so. appreciate it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we got a hey? lot of footage here today. Yeah. I don't so know about that first um, part. I may have to edit that stuff out. Yeah, some of the first part, but that's... New on Curiosity Stream, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Kim Kardashian. Tycoons are in many ways the lifeblood of society. They are willing to put everything out there. They're willing to lose everything. See how the super elite use their money and power to shape our lives on Tycoons. Plus, from Japan's unbreakable super code to the algorithm mining your Bitcoin, we're breaking down the world's most famous encryptions on cracking the code. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.